0: Hey everybody, I'm Megan. I'm Wendy. And this week, while we are on summer break, we are resharing one of our favorite episodes. And this is our very first Conversations with Friends episode that features our friend, Jenny Canzanieri. This is one of our top 10 episodes of all time. And in it, Jenny talks about her path to sobriety and what, at the time, her past year of sober living looks like. And since then, Wendy, I don't know about you, but it feels like many women in my life have also undertaken a sober journey. I'm seeing lots of people as we are emerging from the COVID haze saying, my drinking was problematic Mm. and I needed to get it in check. Mm. And I think we're talking more openly about this. Mm -hmm. And I think Jenny does a great job of... Talking about what that looked like for her and talking about what life looks like now and some of the
1: challenges. And I just think this is something we need to continue talking about. So speaking of that, next week we have a mini episode coming out with our favorite summer drinks. I think we're going to have lots of ideas in there for, you know, non-alcoholic summer beverages to enjoy. Mocktails. Mocktails. Yummy seltzer waters. Zhuzhin those up a little bit, you
0: know. Yes. So while this episode is a replay, next week is brand new. So we hope everybody's having a great summer. We'd love to hear from you, Megan and Wendy at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok. We're at Megan and Wendy in both places. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Long Story Short, the podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Wendy. And today we're kicking off a new, soon-to-be-regular feature on the podcast. We're calling Conversations with Friends. And today we are so honored to be joined by Jenny Canzaneri. But before we get to know her, a quick reminder that we love your ratings and reviews, especially when you have nice things to say. If you haven't yet left a review, simply visit meganandwendy.com slash Apple Podcast, and you'll be taken right
1: to the correct place to do so. Uh, we also love your emails. So send us uh, your emails to the show at meganandwindy at gmail.com. We love to read them. We uh, read almost all of them here on air. And Megan has a few of today she's going to share.
0: I do. We have two follow ups from our episode last week where we talked splurges and steals and the first one is from jennifer who says we're like you megan my family lives on cereal my rule i'm not spending more than two dollars and fifty cents on a box mom's best goes on sale for about $1.50 every so often so i'll buy 20 boxes and store in the master closet because we don't have space anywhere else i stock up on grocery items on sale and i know the cost for all my favorites i miss going to the grocery store She also says, "Old Navy for the win." Oh, and Costco clothing.
1: Uh, Wendy, can you ever imagine
0: yourself buying twenty boxes of cereal at once?
1: Uh, no. (laughs) I mean, maybe, but I would totally do it. That totally speaks to me. (laughs) Like she, I don't have any anywhere to store twenty boxes of cereal. So, and I certainly don't want them in my podcast studio. (laughs) (laughs) In my master closet. So I, uh, I mean. I'm happy for them. I wish, I wish, listen, I think I am going to set forth on a uh, budgeting challenge for myself. More
0: to come on that. Oh, that's exciting. Um, This
1: next email is from Heidi,
0: who first of all says she would definitely buy a hoodie. So noted. We're working on it, guys. Um, She says for splurges, she splurges on hair care. After she got married, my After I got married, my husband made a comment that I spent too much money on my hair, so I let him color my hair. As he was rinsing the color out, he asked if my hair guy could fit me in because he said it did not come out so good. After that, he has never made a comment on how much I spend (laughs) on my hair.
1: Really? That's extreme. Extreme. Would you let your husband color your
0: hair? Not in one million years. I mean, I know you don't color
1: your hair, but would you let your husband cut your hair? No,
0: no, no, no. My husband cuts his own hair, but he has curly (laughs) hair. So this is what he does. He just like takes it and just like whacks off at the end and that's it. And so when I was in the midst of my like pandemic hair panic, I needed to get a haircut and was going back and forth on should I cut it? He's like, I'll do it. I was like, do not come anywhere near me with scissors. Oh, Wow.
1: Um,
0: She says, also, I'm not sure if it's a splurge, but we also always stay in nice hotels because my husband is a germaphobe. He cannot relax on vacation if we're staying somewhere that he feels is not clean. We spend a lot on our hotels,
1: but it's always worth it because he can enjoy himself. That is fair. Yes. Super fair. I can't relax either if I'm like uh, freaked out about uh, germs. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, I think clean
0: is a uh, perfectly reasonable <laughs>
1: line to draw in your hotel accommodations.
0: Absolutely. So we have with us today Jenny Kanzaneri, and I just realized that I'm not sure I've ever said your last name out loud. Am I saying
2: it correctly? <laughs> you, said it, you said it perfectly. <laughs> oh good. Yeah.
1: Um, and so I
2: go oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I have to say I haven't had a haircut in over a year, and I wouldn't let my husband come anywhere near me. <laughs>
1: He's offered. He's offered
2: a lot over the last year. And I had no, no, the desperation will never be that bad.
0: Yeah. I finally gave in and did it myself. And I was quite pleased with the results I have to say. So now I'm like, hey, to my daughter, I'll cut your hair. And she goes, mommy, my hair's fine. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. She- yeah. <laughs> She's we not that desperate too.
0: yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have known Jenny for years, first Online through the internet because Jenny was the creator of a website I used to write. I knew you prior to that, but then. Jenny owned two websites, Style Lush and Food Lush, and still are two of the things I miss most on like the early (laughs) two thousands internet. Doesn't it feel like a different (laughs) lifetime ago? I know. Yeah, I miss them too. (laughs) And I've also been lucky enough to meet you a couple of times in person. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. So my um, Southern California. I used to go for work more often than I have been able to. Obviously, go in the last few years. And you were one of my first emails whenever I would have a trip planned
0: yeah we went to San Diego for dinner. Yeah. Um, so, Jenny, I'm not sure if you know this, but you and Wendy share a common bond in your love of a particular dog breed. Do you have a Vishla?
1: I have two of them.
2: <laughs> Do you oh my gosh, my my is currently being very obnoxious and trying to get into my lap. so um, I apologize if she's she's a uh, this is my second. we had one before her. And they are so special, Uh, and Murphy is, aren't they? um, They aren't they. They're so so special, yeah. She's the sweetest. She's just come back from two weeks of behavior training, and she's done really well. We're really impressed with it. But uh, how her spirit remains the same. She's three.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, So okay, we we waited. We waited too long. Well, Well. I hear you. So we've always had Vishalas. We got one after we were married in um 2001 and she has since passed. And then um mm-hmm. we we waited a long time before we got another one and then so we got Penny and she's 3 now. And then we decided during we got a pandemic puppy. We added oh, Roxy I'm so jealous. to the crew. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I've been pushing for a second. <laughs> I don't know. Two is a lot. Two is a lot it's together. A lot. Yeah. I imagine. Roxy Roxy is like a naughty little sister. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She is. We have one of those little rotten. um, She's the sweet. I mean, she's the sweetest dog I've ever known, but she's just rotten is the only she's just she's just terrible. (laughs) I mean, she's much better now. We're just post-training, but oh, my goodness. It's um, we went from a 14-year-old Vicha, you know, who slept eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. And then another, you know, 12 hours a day, 12 hours a night. And. Murphy was such a, a, a rude awakening. <laughs> she was, she, it was a hard transition, but now we wouldn't trade her, of course. I understand. Oh, I, I want to see a picture of her. I will, sh- I will definitely share one. I have probably more pictures of her than my son because he's in that age where he doesn't ever want me to take oh, any pictures sure. of him. So yeah,
1: Totally.
0: <laughs> so aside from having one of the best dogs on the internet, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Jenny? Sure, yeah. So I live
2: in a suburb of Fort Worth, um, and we have been here almost as long as my son has been alive. So almost 12 years we've been in our house, and I work in publishing. So I'm the marketing director at a publishing company, but I work from home, Um, and I've actually worked from home for five years. So pre pandemic, I was also at home, which has uh, been wonderful. And I have a husband and one son. what else? I love travel and I miss it more more than anything. Um, I love reading and skincare and uh, yeah, and my dog as well. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I don't know if this is something you're talking about publicly, so I could take this out. But uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the year that one of your goals for 2021 was perhaps to leave Texas. Oh, yes. No, I talk about it all the time. Okay, okay. <laughs> so
2: you, can, you can leave that in if you'd like to. Yeah, I, I've been in Texas for, gosh, 28 years. You know, we, I moved here when I was 11. So it's been a really long time. And I never thought I would still be here. You know, I met my husband in college and, uh, we were just going to stay a little while. And then we had Kyle and, and moving him from grandparents when he was so little felt unfair to all parties involved. Um, Mm -hmm. so we stayed, uh, and then we just decided we were going to move when Kyle graduated high school, but something with the combination of the pandemic and the election just sort of broke something in both of us. Um, and we just realized, you know, it's, waiting for the right time um is really risky you know it might not ever come you don't know what's ahead and uh we just are hoping we can leave so that kyle will be able to start eighth grade somewhere else so that's a
0: year year and a half from now that's exciting what's your dream location or do you have one
2: my dream location is Seattle. Um, oh. But Mike's never been there. So it's a little hard <laughs> for him to, to dream about a place he's never seen. So his dream location is Colorado, uh, the Denver area. And I would be fine there. I would be fine. You know, we, we want a blue state. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we want, but also, t- you know, to find a big city that has um, good suburbs that can feel kind of like a small town. We have a small town here. And we really love the actual town itself. Um, so finding that vibe would be really nice. And just being able to be somewhere beautiful. <laughs> Unfortunately, all those things combined make them very expensive. And we yeah. just have to see what's, what's reasonable for us. But we'll, we'll sort of sacrifice what we have to, you know, certainly. Um, it just doesn't feel like home
0: anymore here. Mm. Yeah, I am excited to live vicariously through your move because my husband wants to move immediately. And I'm like, well, <laughs> and he's in the right. same boat. He's like, you could make excuses for the rest of your life. Right. Like, there's never yeah. going to be a day when you're going to wake up and be like, OK, today I'm ready. So Right. And I got a long list of
2: them. And when I get really scared, I kind of talk, you know, I try to run through them all. But where would your husband like to move?
0: Um. Well, he has a long list of places, but really he wants to move somewhere that is has a slower pace of life, is a mm. smaller town, has more nature. I mean, we live in yeah. California, but yeah. we're not, yeah. you know, adjacent to the woods, right? Our right. house does not back up to a forest <laughs> that you can just go tromping through. So it's It's you know, funny you say that because that's my... When
2: Mike is pretty kind of easygoing, and so he's he hasn't said a lot of, like, demands, but he said the one thing that I just would love is to be able to walk out my back door and just go into the woods. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, well, uh, I don't know how to find that. Right. But we'll try.
0: <laughs> it's a very specific ask, but yes, you right. I can relate to that. So – We could talk to Jenny about a million things, but the primary reason she is joining us is to share her story of becoming sober in the midst of a pandemic, which is two giant (laughs) life changes. Um, Can we start with what led you to that choice and what signs maybe you saw that convinced you it was time to make that choice? Yeah. And if I haven't said, I just want to say thank you so much for having me.
2: This is actually the first sort of live conversation I've had you know, with a potential audience about this, even though I've been really open about it on my Instagram and in my personal life with friends and family. But um, I feel really honored to be having this conversation with you. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you
0: for being here. We're honored that you're sharing with us.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things that I think is important to start is that, you know, it doesn't always look like a scary rock bottom or ultimatums or interventions and it didn't for me you know it really was kind of quiet and really personal and internal and i probably knew for a number of years that drinking was something i was starting to do in private and starting to do less socially and more um you know hiding it uh, or, or doing it once my husband went to bed and then i could kind of open my bottle of wine um and i think That was probably the key when it started to become something that I was trying to cover up um, or starting to do less socially and more at home at night once everyone was asleep. And so I certainly knew that whenever shame kind of enters the picture for something like that, uh, you know, it was a problem. You know, I knew that internally for a while, but I think what, what ultimately motivated me to put it down um, was I had a routine doctor's appointment, and I had some blood work done, and my liver enzymes were heightened. And not in a scary range, my doctor wasn't concerned, but I saw like visible proof that I was hurting my body. Um, and I knew that it wasn't going to get any, it wasn't going to get better. You know, it wasn't, there was sort of only one way forward. And so I just thought, I really want to live like a long and healthy life. and. I'd always wanted that, but it was at such odds with what I was choosing every day. Um, so I just decided I was going to stop for a month until I had the blood work redone. Um, so I didn't really tell anyone. It was—it's kind of a regret in hindsight. I kept it very private, and so I did that first month like completely alone. Um, and that was—you know—that was probably the hardest month. But after that month, and I got my blood work redone. They were, my numbers were completely fine in that space. And I thought, you can, you can change your health. You can change this. This can be something that you can control. And it just felt, it felt like the most obvious choice. It really did.
0: When was this timing wise?
2: So that was June. Um, So June. Of 2020. Of 2020. Yes. So it's been less than a year. So it's been almost nine months. Um, June twenty, June 29th was the day, you know, the, the sort of the first day I didn't have a drink. Um, and that was the start of that first month. So I was going to go to the end of July. And that was, that was sort of the first step of a trial. Um, but I, you know, I never did again. So there wasn't much fanfare. You know, I don't, I know this sounds sort of silly, but I don't even really remember what my last drink was. And I kind of prefer it that way. Like, I, f- I feel like I was just taking it day by day. And, you know, I was telling myself, I was being really easy with myself, which is, mm-hmm. I think, one of the things that sort of made it stick was you're just going to do what you can today, and you're just going to get through today. And we'll we'll deal with a month later when, when we get there.
0: Can I ask, did you tell um, your husband that you were doing this trial? I did. I told him. Yeah. And, and Mike is
2: incredibly supportive, but he, uh, doesn't push. <laughs> he was actually a yeah. very good husband for someone who was, who was drinking problematically because he just always really trusted me. And, and I was, I was, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are, and it's one thing that I wanted to join you for is I think a lot of people drink problematically, um, but they do a really good job of covering it up, and their lives look totally normal. I was the PTA president. Um, I have a full time job that I've always been, you know, pretty good at. Um, I have friends and family, and you know, all and no one really ever suspected or confronted or talked to me about being worried. And it's I was just really, really good, <laughs> good at at a uh, covering it up. And and Mike especially was surprised when I told him. Um, and I'm, you know, not like floored, I think he started to connect some dots when we had that conversation, but, um, he was very supportive, you know, whatever, he's always been sort of whatever makes you happy, but, you know, he didn't really push me to talk more than I was comfortable with. So it was a pretty short conversation. And I just said, I'm just gonna, you know, I got this blood work and I think I'm just gonna stop drinking for a while. And he was like, he's actually not a big drinker, which has also been really helpful. Um, yeah. And so he, he's one of those that I've always been really envious of. You know, he can leave half a beer on the counter and just forgets <laughs> about it. And I'm always like, well, how does that work? My brain does this, never worked that way. Um, yeah, so I did tell him and I told my therapist, but I didn't tell anyone else.
0: So I'm sorry, Wendy, were you about to say something?
1: I do have a question, yeah, if sure, I may. Sure. Yeah. Please, I'm going to apologize in advance for if I ask anything that is insensitive. I'm not trying to like pry. I appreciate and if you that. Don't, if you don't yeah. want to talk about anything, it, please. Um, I'm curious because you said you had, you know, you were president of the PTA and you have a full time yeah. job. Um, if you are drinking, let's say at night after your husband goes to bed. Are you (laughs) are you drinking so much that in the morning that you're just struggling with a hangover, or like are you drinking to get drunk?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a good question, and I and I do I do sort of struggle with those um, like details because, and not not the question itself, and I and I'll answer it, but I think I have found a lot of people are um, in response to me, they are then eager to. Convince me that their drinking is normal which is absolutely not something that they need to do and mm-hmm. so i think people are like look not you but i people are looking <laughs> for like this number is is okay and this number is a problem and i'm still in the okay range so um so i haven't ever really talked like super specifics and i'm and i'm um totally willing to but forgive me if i if i you know sound a little nervous um yeah, no, I was I was drinking, not every night, um, but when I drank, I drank, you know, a bottle of wine, um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I definitely would get uh, drunk, yeah, just to, to be totally clear about it, and I don't want to be unclear, because I think that's not helpful. Um, I, I would get up, every. I would take Kyle to school, um, and his school opened at 7.15, so I was up at 6.30, and so it was it was rough. You know, I was really harming my body and I was struggling. I mean, I would get through the day and I would, I would rally every day that I needed to, but it was really hard to, you know, to feel that internally. I didn't feel good. And, um, you know, I think I just, it was more important for me to keep this secret than to, um, honor what my body was saying. And so mm-hmm. I would just go to my PTA meetings feeling like <laughs> feeling really, really bad. Um, and I would just sort of power through them. And I was really good at it. I was really good at kind of doing everything that needed to be done, which is one of the reasons why I think no one was really suspicious.
1: Um, And a follow-up question, if I may, and I'm coming from a place of of my perspective is I I Struggle with certain things too, and um, I fall into this pattern of I'll I'll say, well, I'm not going to do that tonight, and then like I'll I'll right, do the same thing right. again and again and again. Were you um, were you following following um, a pattern like that? And yeah, and that's, I'm just that's curious good, about the no, self talk. No, that's a that's a
2: great that's a great question, and the, and the self talk is something that um, I think is important because it was really all that I had, you know, was sort of my own. Understanding of what was going on and what I was telling myself and the bargains I was making with myself mm-hmm. and you know that sort of shame that I mentioned at the beginning that shame was so strong and um, yeah I would I would have those conversations all the time and I would even you know kind of go two weeks or a couple months you know and I would do these sort of challenges that made me feel better for a while um, I would go you know, and I I wasn't every night, um, but it was often and I would, I would wake up and yeah, like this, I knew it couldn't continue. I just didn't know at what point was I really going to put it down. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of desperate to keep it for so long. So I would get even better at, um, you know, like I would make a big show of like stopping when I was out with friends after one or two, and just being like, "No, no, no I'm done," knowing that I was going to go home and probably drink alone later. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I, yeah, it's, it's a little. Long. <laughs> I um, I, I apologize. It's just a little vulnerable, but I think it's really important because I didn't have anyone, and I still haven't heard a lot of people talk in that kind of experience, the experience where they were holding the secret so fiercely and out to sort of externally, no one knew. I've told, you know, two of my best friends, and both of them who probably know me better in some ways than my husband had no idea. Um, and that that's almost hard, because it certainly has made me feel a little bit invisible. But my therapist has been very clear about, you were just really good. You were really good at hiding this. And you you only showed what you wanted people to see. So that self-talk was really, really hard. And I think one of the things that sort of motivated me to stop too was I had been doing so much work on myself and other areas with... Some family relationships and with body image and with some just healing work that I was really proud of. And I knew that this was like this elephant in my own personal brain, you know, that I Mm -hmm. was never going to get to these goals that I was starting to set for myself with this one thing that I was still holding. So that self talk, it was almost just like constant conflict with myself for the last, you know, couple of years.
0: Well, And your comment about feeling invisible, I think it speaks to the fact that you've built these strong friendships, right? So, to these people, you're all these other things, and they know who you are. And so, to me, it feels less like, I mean, yes, you were very good at hiding it, but also that you were, you know, a whole complete person outside of this, right? Like, this was very... Big and right. important, and big and important to you, but it isn't a hundred percent who you are, and they see the whole you. And so, you know,
2: I, think I appreciate a you saying that. Yeah, there. that, yeah, thank you for saying that. And I've certainly felt that. It's been a little bit hard for me personally to articulate. So I do really appreciate that. I also think I'm protective of that woman. You know, I know what she was just as you said, what she was saying to herself and how Mm -hmm. she, um, you know, hated so much of what she was doing. And I, but also was trying so hard to still be good in so many other ways. And so I get so oddly protective of this version of myself where, um, you know, when I told my mom, she started to cry and I was like, please don't do that. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm good. And she was good. She was good too. She had this thing that she wanted to put down, And she obviously needed to, and it was definitely a problem. Um, But don't, don't cry for her. She, you know, she uh, is working on that herself. So
0: I think it's incredible that you're willing to talk about it openly because you're certainly not the only person who is, you know, and and not necessarily just about sobriety, but who is perhaps hiding something or dealing with something or has a change they want to make and feels alone. But in terms of sobriety from your perspective why do you feel like it's so important that we normalize this conversation
2: Yeah um, and th- and thanks for asking that because I do think it's important whether you you know have a problem with alcohol or not I just feel and this you know I really want to say this in generalities like I'm not specifically talking about anyone nor mm. will I ever because I think that's really, that's really personal. And I can never make those statements for another person. Um, so in generalities, I just feel like alcohol is permeated so much of just regular social norms and social situations. I mean, it's everywhere, you know, it's at the movies, it's at the nail salon. Um, yeah. It's on planes and trains, it's just mm-hmm. in every social situation. And if you don't drink because it doesn't make you feel good, or if you don't drink because, you, you have a history in your family that you just want to make sure you're avoiding or, or if you don't drink because you've made that choice to really be sober because you need to be, um, you have to navigate every day, uh, personally navigate those situations with these like tiny little bombs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just would love to see, you know, I don't, I'm not, advocating for a complete removal of alcohol from everywhere, but I would just love to see social situations where everyone can breathe easy um, and where it's not the centered focus of so much. And, uh, you know, I remember going to a book launch party. I work in publishing. This was a few years ago and, you know, there was no bar. And I remember being like personally, (laughs) personally shocked. (laughs) Um, And and how strange it was, you know, and at the time I was like, well, this sucks. But uh, now I think, gosh, um, I'd love to normalize some of those things where it just doesn't have to be everywhere. And for everyone, you know, for all levels of people. And I think sobriety is a, is a choice that just, I mean, I'm sure you have, you know, if you've decided you you don't feel like drinking one night, the people around you are like, oh, come on, have one, um, like be fun, loosen up. And I get, I get it because we're all so stressed and we all do want something to help us loosen up. Um, but it just, it just isolates those people so much, even if it's, if they're choosing it for a very, you know, easy, non sort of dramatic reason.
0: I have kind of a acquaintance group where alcohol is very much the center of all their interactions if you're not drinking in their presence they're yeah. almost uncomfortable and your totally. conversation of yeah. hey both choices are okay right right. But right i don't have to meet you at your level to be gosh yeah exactly how you just said that to be able to participate yeah. in this
2: well and and just like removing uh, the strange conversation that I think we have about alcohol where we really don't have it about any other kind of substance. Um, we just, it's very normal not to potentially like smoke pot, you know, it's legal so many places, but I think it's normal not to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, like no one would give you a hard time, at least in sort of like normal circles that I run in. Um, But there is this strange pressure that comes with alcohol. And I think a lot has to do with like a bigger conversation with like how it's marketed and, you know, and all of that. But, um, yeah, you know, I just think it's 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 so interesting and fascinating of how it has become so normal.
0: Well, and if you look at it like. As like a treat, right? Like it's a reward. It's a fun thing. At the end of the day, sometimes I look at it as dessert in that same way, right? Like I want a cookie, I want a right, candy at right. the end of the day. But nobody's going to say to me if I say no to dessert. Nobody's going to say anything to me. Right? But right. <laughs> that's right. not that's, quite. That's the, a good example. I mean, it's obviously on a different level, but I think you're right. We put alcohol in this like category of its own, and it's almost like you need to have a stated reason. Exactly. Why you're yes. not drinking? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I have an early morning, or oh, I'm not feeling well, or oh, whatever the reason is. And sometimes, well, and then yeah. no and is then a you complete sen- the- sentence.
2: Yeah, sometimes no is a complete sentence, but also then there's this other. Str- I don't know if you've experienced this, but this strange. Um, when a when a woman is in a certain age range they must be pregnant oh, and yes. like how um. uncomfortable are you making a woman <laughs> if she is is she's fighting something internally that you don't know about or she's not ready to share and then you jump to a, a totally personal question like that um I, you know it's just It just. One of the things I also wanted to say is I think it will drive women who are making these choices away from those social circles, which is what Mm -hmm. I really don't want to see. I would love for it to feel more included and more sort of welcome where people who are sober for any reason um, are welcomed into social spaces where they don't want to drink and that is completely fine. And it doesn't mean alcohol is always removed, you know, but I just think that pressure-filled you know, intro conversation of like, can I get you something to drink? If it's like, yeah, water, like that's, that's Great. good. Le- leave it, leave it there and get her water and, and, you know, just celebrate her being there.
0: Right. I've got four different flavors of sparkling water, right? Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, like, yeah exactly. It's just as fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that's a good transition to, obviously we've spent the last year in a pandemic. Our social situations have been seriously diminished. So in my mind, it would seem it would make one piece of the sobriety puzzle easier because there's not right. You know, dinners yeah. and gatherings where alcohol is the center. But going forward, um, do you have to come up with like a game plan for handling that? Yeah, it's
2: such a good question. And it has made it, you know, I think in a lot of ways, I'll look back on this year as like a really pivotal shift in my life. Um, And we all will, right, for different Mm -hmm. reasons. But, um, you know, I'm not grateful for the pandemic in any means. I I don't mean that. But I think it was a really unique opportunity for me to have this sort of safe space, you know, to give this up without answering, you know, the question sort of over and over again at a party or a social situation or feeling anxious about it. So, yeah, I've definitely thought about it. I think you know, it'll be, like I said, it'll be nine months, um, next week. And that's given me a lot of time, a lot of time to educate myself, a lot of time to, uh, a lot of therapy. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I feel so much better equipped than I might have last summer, but I think the thing I'm the most nervous about is traveling. Um, it was always such a part of our travel and, you know, in a really, almost normalized way and i i say that like i don't think my the the drinking was normalized but i think drinking on vacation is so normal you know you can have a mimosa with breakfast you can have beer with lunch you know you can sort of drink all day long and it can feel very normal um even people who you know don't maybe even drink regularly um so I think that is going to be strange because that was certainly how we traveled, uh, especially when my husband and I were by ourselves. It was very different when we were traveling as a family. But so traveling, um, I'm a little nervous about, but uh, not not in any sort of big way. I just think that's sort of the question mark of how I'll really feel on the ground somewhere. And the yeah, one other th- one other thing is. Um, one of the things that was the most surprising this past year was the cravings really haven't been very bad for me, except in celebratory situations. So like the election was a, was a really rough day for me. Um, Christmas was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a surprise, if just, I always, I you know, the shame part of it and the hiding part of it has been pretty easy to set down. That's not a feeling I miss, but I do miss Um, or have missed sometimes where it's a really happy day and I have to untangle um, why, you know, those feelings of sort of missing this thing to celebrate with, um, why they crept up. I wasn't sort of expecting
0: that. Yeah. It's like you have to create all these new pathways to like, this is the way I celebrate now. Um, Yeah, exactly. So, well, let me jump ahead and then jump back. So, how do you have ways that you've done that? So I know you, I've seen your fun mock tales on <laughs> Instagram, modules, yeah. <laughs> trying to reclaim that tradition, um, yeah. in a different way. And does that kind of scratch the same itch? You know, it's, it's, it
2: scratches it differently. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, one of the things that, you know, just to be really frank, um, I wasn't, making fun cocktails you know I was drinking wine in like a coffee mug Mm -hmm. you know to sort of hide it um or I was drinking it in, you know not a like not my favorite wine glass you know I didn't break those out on a Friday night um and so being able to sort of reclaim delicious beverages that make me feel completely fine the next day and it's just one you know, one, one that I spend time making, and I'm like squeezing the citrus, and I, you know, gotten like fun ingredients and all of that, like, it just feels very, su- it just Feels good. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't really doing a lot of that before. Um, so yeah, I, you know, and I think rituals in any capacity, whether it's, you know, drinks or snacks or skincare rituals or lighting a candle, whatever it may be, just feels like I'm honoring the moment that I'm in Mm -hmm. in a way that I hadn't been doing in so long. So they all feel like a little bit of a reclaiming, um, And this is like a sort of an odd segue, but one of the things I read Quit Like a Woman, which is a book that I think a lot of people have heard about lately. Chrissy Teigen shared it on her Instagram. And I read that that first month, that was one of the things, the first tools I found. And, um, you know, it talks about in that just, uh, about AA and sort of why it doesn't work for everyone. And it's a, it's a program I don't, um, subscribe to. Mm -hmm. And part of it is because there's a lot of talk of surrendering in it. And I feel like I was surrendering my whole life as a woman, as a mother, um, with a sort of shameful secret. I was always giving parts of myself up. And now I feel like I'm reclaiming that for the first time in a really long time. And, So I'm not looking to surrender, like I'm looking to like use my voice and find it for the first time and and really be loud about it. And so I, you know, I think that part of the rituals that I'm, you know, adopting are really in line with that, they align with that reclaiming, which I really love the thought of.
0: Um, Going back to social situations. So how I obviously... I don't expect that you speak for everybody. But in your case, how can friends be supportive in social situations? We talked a little bit about kind of normalizing alcohol is not the only choice for a beverage. You know, are there other things your friends can do um, in those situations?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I mentioned and just sort of like, not to start with the negative, but like what not to do is like, don't try to rationalize your relationship with alcohol as the Mm -hmm. first thing out of your, um, you know, the first thing you say to a friend who might be confiding in you with this, with this truth. Um, I've had that more than I was expecting. And I, I, it just caught me off guard where it's like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not judging you. Um, I sort of put down the right to, to judge other people's relationship with alcohol um, and only am judging my own. And my truth, you know, really has nothing to do with yours. Um, so I think just really not centering yourself when someone confides in you with this mm-hmm. um, is a really good move of just listening and just being happy. I had a cup, my dad actually, he said the best thing when I told him, he just said, I'm so happy for you. Is there anything I can do for you? Oh, wow. And I thought that was just the best response. And uh, I've had a couple of people do that, you know, I'm just really happy for you. And you know, if there's anything you ever need, but I also think just like, you know, genuine check-ins, genuinely checking in and just, you know, not making it kind of like a sad, dramatic, how are you, are you struggling of just, um, you know, I'm thinking of you Is you know, if you're having any need for connection, please let me know. And, you know, I certainly don't think people should feel like they have to stop drinking all the time in front of someone. But I think normalizing, you know, a situation where maybe alcohol just isn't present, you don't have to make a big deal about it. But like one of the things I was talking to a friend about um, who actually also stopped drinking this past year was just like, having a girl's night where it's just not there and it's not a big deal. Um, you know, it's not like, Hey, I don't, I don't have any wine here. I took all of the wine out. Like it doesn't have to be a big declaration of just like, Hey, I have, just as you said, like sparkling water or maybe it's brunch and we just have like a a coffee bar or something Mm like that. Um, making it feel really comfortable without it making someone feel really self-conscious. Um, I know you mentioned and the emails that we were talking about the Real Housewives of Orange County. Oh my yes. goodness, what a time! To, what a time to watch that season. I was I was newly sober. Um, gosh, I actually had so much. Uh, I just felt like a real soft spot for Bronwyn in those first few episodes because you could just see her anxiety was so palpable. Um, but I thought what Gina did was so perfect. She just said, yeah, I don't need to drink at your Vaurinal. Like I can go that one night without doing it. You don't ha- you're gonna have it there for your guests. But like, if you know one of your friends is, is a safe place to go to, let that mm-hmm. be me. Um, I actually loved that scene and I loved that she did that. It made me, <laughs> I've not, I've not, I've been neutral on Gina for the last <laughs> few seasons, but it made me love her. Where I was just like, what a kind thing to do.
0: Yeah, she honestly really impressed me a lot in the last season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought she was the most mature of all of them. I mean, and I know this is obviously kind of like a lighthearted look at a serious thing. But I remember in that moment thinking, you know, Shannon and Kelly were like, excuse me, but I am not going to not drink a dissident. And I thought, really? Like, this is supposed to be your friend and you cannot go a three-hour event. And it wasn't even like there wasn't alcohol there. It wasn't right. their preferred yeah. drink of choice. Yeah. That really blew my mind. And I think – I don't think they're alone. Like, I don't no, think that's I an don't. unusual response. Yeah,
2: and I think I was I was waiting for them to really talk about it at the reunion. And they didn't quite go there. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, I think this is a really normal reaction that – the sober person is the strange one and how kind of dare she not have tequila at this event. Um, instead of just, and it doesn't necessarily mean that Shannon and Kelly have a drinking problem. I don't know only, you know, only they do. Um, but to not be able to just be supportive and show up in a, in a really specific way for someone for one night, you know, if if alcohol always has to be tied to that fun evening, um, it, it just becomes exhausting for the person. As I mentioned, they're just going to stop showing up eventually because it just feels like so much to navigate.
0: Yeah, they might not have a drinking problem, but they certainly have an empathy problem. They do, exactly. It's <laughs> a very good way to say it, yeah. yeah. And I think we've always known that about Kelly. Um, oh, yes. This was not shocking information. <laughs> this was not shocking.
2: But I was really touched by Gina, and I think she did it in a way where it felt she wasn't making like a big, dramatic declaration she was just like look at that night I won't be drinking if you need me I'll be there yeah it um, wasn't I thought performative. that was really touching yeah it wasn't performative exactly um and I also feel like I understand why Bronwyn probably had the bar you're trying to prove you're still fun and you're still normal and you're cool and all of that um I I was like that at the beginning, too, where I was like, alcohol's fine. Everyone, you know, like on Zooms, just drink all you want. And now I'm kind of moving into a situation where like, yeah, I just may not participate in a big block party or, you know, a margarita happy hour or what have you. And not because I'm judging. I just I just want to feel good. (laughs) I just want to feel sort of safer and freer to sort of like take big exhales, which You know, alcohol is everywhere. If I open up Instagram, I could probably count 50 situation, you know, 50 posts where it's in some capacity within, you know, an hour. And it's in every movie, every TV show, every book. It's just everywhere. So, you know, it's not that it's a trigger. Um, I certainly don't like feel like I'm in danger of drinking if I'm around alcohol, but I I don't necessarily want to be.
0: So I think that's the perfect transition to something I would love to talk about, and that is the wine mom persona. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, Wendy, I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, we had a circle of uh, people that we kind of worked with. I wouldn't say we knew this person well. But um, this woman posted a video that was supposed to be comedic. And in it, she was... In her minivan, holding a glass of wine, backing oh, wow. down the driveway. And it was, like, this big joke. I don't remember the details, but the, basically the story was, like, ha-ha, like, I'm a drunk mom running over my kids' toys with the car. <laughs> and there, oh, wow. And there's no part of it that was comedic to me. And Wendy's um, the braver one of the two of us. I'm the one who's, like, I'm just going to – things bother me and I don't say anything. And she kind of took her on and it was very much, like, oh, you can't take a joke. And I was like, oh. but it's not <laughs> funny to be yeah.
1: pretending yeah. to be driving your minivan drunk. In- I So I remember the situation, but I don't remember what I said to her. I just said well, maybe something that it was irresponsible. I don't, I don't, I don't recall. I mean, it I think, it, I don't think it was a deep conversation.
0: It was, hey, maybe this isn't so funny to be like joking about driving drunk. And. They were like, "Oh, ha, ha You can't take a joke." And I was like, "No, no. Maybe you well, don't know a gr- what have, a joke is." I have is. a great sense of humor.
2: <laughs> I, I'm hilarious. I'm really, I'm really funny. Trust yeah. me.
0: <laughs> so it's so pervasive, right? Like it, it's right. on T-shirts and like bedtime glass of w- I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like it, you know, mommy juice and yes.
2: um, you know. And you had you had asked me at the beginning, you know, sort of what happened. And I will say that there was a moment. Um, about a year, year and a half ago, so like the November before the pandemic, where we had gone to a friend's house for a party. And I drank more than I would normally sort of in a social situation. And Kyle was there, he was with us. And Mike wasn't drinking, you know, we, you know, we were fine getting home. But I realized it was the first time I think Kyle had seen me drunk. Um, And I could not shake that. That that was just not what I wanted for you know he's twelve mm-hmm. at the time he was eleven, um, no he was ten at the time and I just remember thinking the only thing ahead of you is your son being disappointed and being scared and being sad and I just gosh the I I, I don't think every woman who participates in that kind of culture is. Um, you know, personally, a problem, but I do think that is a problem in general. It's it's a problem that we're making our kids collectively feel like we can only be drunk to get through parenting them. And it's not like, I mean, parenting is really hard. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; sure. it's super overwhelming and stressful. But I wanted my personal relationship with my son um, to be joyful, and for him to know that I was really happy to be his mom, and you know, the dark side of those jokes is that there is probably a lot of mothers struggling with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what you're doing is you're making you're you're, just as she said to you, you have a sense of humor or lighten up. So you're taking away this like real feeling that they're having with the struggle. And you're, you're basically also saying in the same joke, um, a normal mom, you know, wants to sort of be drunk or at least like, likes the idea of joking about being drunk in order to get through the day with their children. And like, don't get me wrong, this pandemic, especially at the beginning was very difficult. Um, And we probably all felt it, you know, that we needed something to get through the day because Mm -hmm. it was so hard, but I just, I could see it. I could like visually in my mind, see what he, what was coming for us, you know, him going to middle school and then high school and I had this moment of thinking, like, he's not going to want his friends to come over at some point, because, you know, he's just not going to want to have to make apologies for me. That's
0: a big moment.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. But, but, you know, and now he doesn't. So now he, yeah, you know, he doesn't yeah. see that. And, um, you know, I think it'll be a really hard conversation when he and I talk about alcohol, as he is faced with those choices himself. Um, and I don't want to bring my baggage to those decisions for him. I want his life to feel very much like his own autonomous life. Um, But I do want to be really open with him about, um, you know, how it is, it is dangerous, you know, it just is so dangerous, if you don't have the tools that you really need to navigate through it. So, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really sad, the sort of culture of like, I have to, and I had, you know, I saw it a lot, and I actually didn't participate it Participate in it a lot, sort of towards the end, because I really didn't want to lie. Like, I didn't want to lie. I mean, I, that sounds funny because I certainly was, you know, lying in a lot of ways, but um, I didn't want to like make those jokes because I just knew they were not, <laughs> you know, they were not right for me. Um, and so I didn't really participate in any of that language for a really long time. And I just, Uh, it just breaks my heart. It really does. You know, it just breaks my heart that so many moms are participating and really like free marketing for alcohol. I mean, that big alcohol is just like thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, yes, um, put, you know, paint your wine glasses with mommy juice or whatever it's called. Um, Yeah, you know, it just makes me really sad. But I also just think like normalizing, as we've been talking about, like normalizing sober situations and normalizing coffee or water or mocktails or whatever it may be, it chips away at that, you know, it chips away. And when you spoke up, Wendy, I think that's, you know, I think it's incredible because I do think speaking up, you know, even if it's gently, you know, even if it's, um, or even if it's not well received is Mm -hmm. is, it chips away at that. It chips away. And someone saw that comment, I promise, and thought, thank goodness that she said it because she probably, it probably was like a punch in the gut, you know, to see that, um, that
0: video, uh- you know, Wendy and I have talked about there's a there was a swing online at kind of like in the second wave of the mommy bloggers where, yes, we were willing to talk openly about parenting. And I think that's important. But then it swung so hard in the mm. let's only talk about how terrible this is and how we're all just enduring this horrible place in our right. It right. just felt to me right. like this is terrible. We're all in this terrible position together having children. It, that was the messaging That I felt came because that sold. People thought it was funny. You know, there was a joke to be made. And then on the tails of that came like, hey, we can only endure this with a glass of wine in our hands. And, you know, it was that add-on messaging. Look, parenting's hard. Wendy and I talk all the time. We both have teenagers. Like, this is not we don't pretend that it's easy, but I don't ever want my children to think like this is a time in my life that I'm enduring and slogging through with them. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and even if, you know,
2: we've been children, we know, um, we think that they don't get it. You know, like Mm -hmm. we think that they don't like, they're not absorbing that full message. And I promise some of them are, um, especially as they get older, they're just, you know, and I actually was talking to, um, a kid, uh, so I didn't really know him, but he was at school and he was volunteering for an event that we did. And so I was just talking to him and I asked where his mom was and he said, she's probably drunk with her friends. And I was just like, oh, and he was maybe 13, 14. And I sort of internally just like, uh, tightened where I was just like, oh, they, they're, they know they're just watching and they know, and they know if you're not present for them like physically and mentally present, they just can feel it. Um, And it just cuts away at them. It's like, you know, it's death by a 1000 cuts, you know, that one day is probably not a big deal, but added collectively up. They're probably carrying pain that they can't even really verbalize. Um, Yeah. And it's just like, can't we can't we like make jokes about Yeah, just as you said, like funny. Can I say bad words on this? Of yeah. course, <laughs> can I like 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 let's laugh about real funny shit? Like there's funny stuff out there. Like yeah, we, yeah. you know, we have senses of humor. I promise, and like that, it's just such a lazy joke. I just, I'm one, just like unimpressed with someone if that's their sense of humor. Take the uh, take the cultural things of, away from it. It's just so lazy.
1: Um, yeah. Let me ask you, Jenny have you had a conversation with your son about, about becoming sober yet? Yes. Yeah. Uh Real, real
2: age appropriate. Um, so just, you know, I really wanted to take better care of myself and alcohol is, this sounds so dramatic and I really don't, I really don't mean it to sound judgmental, but it is poison. You know, it's like ethanol. (laughs) It's what we (laughs) put in cars. Um, and so it, you know, I just have talked about it in a, this was a good health decision. This was a good decision for my body and my mind and for, yeah, for being a mother. And he, you know, I know, I know that this probably seems uh, hard to believe, but he didn't see me drink a lot. And um, that night, you know, is so clear in my head because it was one of the only times I remember him kind of looking at me and thinking, I knew he was like, what is going on with her? And I will never kind of forget that. And, you know, so I I, I think our conversations have been pretty age appropriate and have been kind of top level. And I think we'll probably have to get into sort of more details as he gets older. Mm -hmm. Um, And I try to be really open with him and without having to like press him to have conversations that serve me more than maybe they serve him. Right. Um, So, yeah, we've talked about it and he knows that I don't drink, um, and Mike, like I said, Mike never really drank. So there's not really alcohol in our house. And yeah, I think that's been pretty normalized for him. Thankfully, we've all been home together for so long. You know, it was kind of a gentle transition from maybe seeing wine bottles before to not seeing them anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm really open and and ready to have those conversations when it's time with him as he gets older. I, let me just, yeah, let me just say, I, 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 realize this is heavy stuff. Um, and I, I, uh, I'm so grateful to have it. I think these heavy conversations are important, but I think one of the things that I most want to communicate is just how incredible life is kind of on the other side. Um, you know, I was really afraid of being boring and that was like my <laughs> biggest fear of just like being boring and life being boring and, and social situations being boring. And, um, I remember saying that to myself, like, but what will you do? What will you do with your evenings? If you can't like pour a glass of wine and, gosh, I've had more fun, and I have been happier, and I have been less boring on the other side. And so I think what I would want to say to anyone who is maybe having those same thoughts or those same anxieties is um, the good stuff really starts when, when you put it down. I, pr- I promise. I pr- that's the one thing that I feel really confident promising. And um, yeah, so I just, you know, there's a lot of really good, happy shit on this side, I promise. <laughs>
0: I think that is the perfect takeaway. I love that. Um, And I do think like, yeah, this is heavy, but I also think it's really important because, you know, there's a lot that we don't talk about and a lot that we should normalize talking about. And we so appreciate you being so vulnerable and willing to talk about this because you know, and I know, and Wendy knows that this is not just unique to you. There's so many people that are on this path at some point. So, um, We're going to take a very quick break, and we're going to come back and talk Megan and Wendy and Jenny Approve. All right, guys. It is time for Megan and Wendy Approved, and Jenny has graciously agreed to join us for this final segment. So as our guest, we're going to let you go first and let us know what you have. Okay. I have two things. I hope that's okay. Of course. Um, So I have,
2: so I've become kind of obsessed with candles and I have a brand that I have fallen in love with. It's called Apotheke and it's spelled A P O T H E K E. And they have, the most unique and incredible scents. Every, I've got four or five of them and every one of them, I have, I've seen the scent and then I have smelled it and thought, I don't know about this. And then I light it and it is just the most incredible aroma. So I've gifted them now. I have um, subscribed to their candle of the month club. Um, I love them. And I, I think my second thing is just sort of a general, I have become obsessed with skincare. It's sort of like post post sobriety i'm like that is where my attention has gone most nights is just what mask i can do um you know what can i add to my routine and i think face masks in general are, are my other approved i love glam glow those are great masks. um Caudalie, if i'm pronouncing that correctly they have some really great masks um and some keels masks that i really loved too those are
0: great ones i want a
2: candle of the month subscription <laughs> <too>. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of them lit, lit by me, and it's called um, uh, it's called Charred Fig, and it's my favorite scent of theirs. It's so good. I
0: love a fig scent. I have a fig body wash that I love, and it's one of those scents. I'm like, who knew that figs <laughs> were like? Yeah, this yeah, scent, exactly. But... <laughs> I don't like eating them, but they yeah. <laughs> smell
1: really good. <laughs> All right, Wendy. Um, well, coming off of our splurges and saves episode, I felt compelled to share a save item Mm -hmm. and it is the Physician's Formula Butter Bronzer. You know, I've loved this product for so, so long. As we transition into spring and summer, I love the scent of it. It's like a tropical coconutty, put me on a Mm. beach scent. And um, it's just a really great bronzer for a Fraction of the price. I'm wearing it today. It's a Me great too. bronzer. Love it.
0: Um, so, we have an uh, unintentional theme in today's Megan and Wendy approved segment in that everything has a great scent. So, what I'm sharing is something that um, has been a long time favorite of ours, but it's in a new scent from Trader Joe's. There's a new body butter and it's grapefruit. Ooh. And it smells. Do you love a citrus? delightful. I keep shoving my nose in it. I've put it on probably 10 times on my hands since yesterday. I mean, it's the same great body butter that we love from Trader Joe's in this delightful, citrusy, summery scent. The lid is this beautiful coral color, which shouldn't matter. Oh, um, yes. Love the packaging it.
2: matters. The packaging <laughs> matters.
0: I saw it on Instagram and needed to make a grocery run yesterday and I was like, I guess I'm going to Trader Joe's because I needed the body butter. It didn't matter that I came home with anything else. Oh, grapefruit
1: is brand new for them, right? They've never made that one before. I've as far as I know, I yeah, have never I seen so. it before. Yeah, well, they usually do coconut for the summer, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I have that I coconut had... one. You know, I haven't I haven't been to Trader Joe's in a year since the pandemic started. Um and I think I'm going tonight for the first time. So it's kind of a, a perfect timing that you Bring that up because I have just made a note, and I will be purchasing it and reporting back.
0: Yes, look for it. I loved it. Um, are you a grocery pickup person in the pandemic?
2: Yeah, yeah, we've gotten yeah pickup or delivery. Um, yeah, our Trader Joe's is just so small; it's like one of the smallest ones I've ever been in, and. I live in Texas and it's been a little (laughs) bit of a, it's been a little bit of a fight um, in general here. (laughs) So even though Trader Joe's is a great company and I think they have great policies, it's just been a little, like every time I've tried, it's just been a, an overwhelming exercise. (laughs) So I've I've abandoned ship. So.
0: Okay. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. Before we go, where can people find more from you?
2: Thank you. This has been really wonderful. I am mostly on Instagram. It's my social media platform of choice. Um, and it's my full name. So Jenny with an IE, Kansanary. Um, hopefully you guys will put that in the show notes. That's a an mouthful. <laughs>
1: um,
2: <laughs> uh, and, and if anyone, you know, is listening and, and any of this resonated with them and they want to reach out, you know, through DM or otherwise, you know, please feel free to, I would love to be, you know, a potentially safe space or an ear for someone who might just not know who to talk to. So um, it's, you know, one of the things that I didn't touch on, that I think is really crucial to communicate is how important not doing this alone is and having really safe um, support systems in place. And so if I can be that for anyone out there, I would, I would really
0: be honored. Such a generous offer. I, I really appreciate that from... <laughs> That my side of things. I think that's not everybody has that safe space, and I can say yeah. from knowing Jenny for years that I think that's a very genuine offer. So, if you need hey. it, hey, you can find Wendy and I on Instagram, Megan and Wendy L S S, or our Facebook group, which is Long Story Shorties. And we're going to be back mm-hmm. on Thursday because Hallmark Channel Spring Fling starts, and we are going to be discussing Chasing Waterfalls. Until next time, everybody, have a great week. Goodbye. Bye.